Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there, everyone. <laughs> Mellow times. Mellow times. Mellow times. Can uh, you picture that? That's a rainy day outside. It is. It's kind of a nasty day in Atlanta. It's a, it's a good day for a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we do one of those? Uh, let's, okay. Let's start it off with a little listener mail. listener mail comes from Andrew. Andrew says, hey, tech crew, I was just wondering what the difference is between the different image file types, such as GIF, JPEG, PNG, TIFF, bitmap, 16 color, 256 color, 24 bit. Any help you could give would be much appreciated. Well, Andrew, that's what this podcast is all about. Different image file types. Yay. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of actually you talk, talked about a lot of different things. Um, there are several different file types and for good reason. I mean, uh, a lot of them are used for print 
and those are your TIFFs and uh, EPS files, and there are mm-hmm. lots and lots of other really highly specialized files. Yeah, a lot of proprietary ones. Uh, but those two are the the two you know generic ones, and then sure. there are things like uh, you know used for the web, which are your GIFs. I found out that's the way the creator pronounced it. Oh, okay. By, by I going apologize, to what is, No, creator. I've been calling it GIF for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what is dot, dot com is great for this kind of stuff, mm. and uh, the JPEGs. And there are tons and tons and tons of other ones uh, that are related to that, you know, that you would find that you might stick in a Word document or things like that, bitmap images or pings. Right. Um, and really, most of this comes down to lossy versus lossless compression. Oh, yes. So those of you who have listened to our podcasts on MP3s, you, you know that that is a, uh, an audio file compression format, and it's a lossy compression format, meaning that as you compress the file, you lose some of the information in that file. So in the case of MP3s, that means that you might get an audio file that doesn't sound quite as good as the original recording. And of course, depending on the bitrate you choose, if you choose a really low one, it might sound really kind of poor compared to the original. Uh, well, the same sort of thing holds true for image files. If you have a lossy format, there's a chance that the image that you get uh, isn't going to look as good as the original source uh, that that you you know the original version of that image. That's right. Um, basically, in any image file, any digital image file, um, it's a file that contains information. It's just like a word processing document. It's just like a music file. Um, basically, you have data, and mm-hmm. you need something that will read the data. And the way that data is organized. And the file, the the program that you use to read the file, you know, those are all contingent on a number of different things. And all these different file formats are um, geared for specific purposes. purposes. Yeah, yeah. For example, uh, you wouldn't want to use a TIFF file for a web page for a couple of reasons. One being that most browsers can't read TIFF files. That would be my number one. That would be way up there. But even if browsers could read them, you probably wouldn't want to use them because the file sizes are going to be much, much larger than a JPEG of the same kind of picture. Yeah, TIFF uh, stands for Tagged Image File Format, and um, it's it's very, very popular because it used it's used in instances where you want high quality. It can actually store pages worth of information, and it can actually include metadata, information about that file. Um which is why it's used by, you know, people like archivists, mm-hmm. um, museums mm-hmm. often use these and they, they can be huge, huge, huge files. And you can, you can use these also if you want to print images and have the print quality be very high. I mm-hmm. mean, because something that looks good on your screen, I'm, I'm sure we're all familiar with this. When you print it out on, on a printer, it may not look nearly as good in printed format as it did on a screen. And that's kind of the whole dots per inch thing. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of different, uh, Factors that go into that. TIFF files tend to be one of the ones that are, are used heavily in the print industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, EPS files, encapsulated postscript, are also used heavily in the print industry. Now they don't; they're not often. Um, they don't have the ability to hold a lot of pages. It's basically one page, and it's often used with um, with vector images more so than than TIFF files. Now, uh, before I get into that. I'd like to point out that uh, what Jonathan was saying is especially true for these print file formats like EPS and TIFF because um, these are formats that you're going to see uh, 
used in high resolution situations where you have 300, 600, 1200, or even more, um, dots or pixels per inch, uh, depending on whether you're printing or actually viewing the file. Sure. And, um, and that's the thing is, I mean, they're, they're often huge. Now they don't absolutely have to be, um, just like you can use one of the web typical file formats and have them be ginormous because they're, you know, very large in size, you know, physical size mm-hmm. and hold a lot of information. But I mean, these are the kinds of, uh, formats that do particularly well. Um, now, and there, there is that one difference in EPS and well, most of these others, um, it can actually support vector graphics. Now, what's a vector graphic? You might ask. What is a vector graphic? Um, I was totally waiting for a, uh, an airplane quote there. Anyway, um, vector graphics are basically line art drawings that, uh, they're mathematical in shape. Say, you know, you can use Adobe Illustrator to create these or, uh, Fireworks or some of those other programs. And you could maybe use, um, you know, create a star, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're doing this in a vector graphics image program where you're actually drawing this by hand or, you know, with a mouse, um, you basically that's a mathematical representation of that drawing. It can be resized. It can be made larger or smaller as mm-hmm. you need to. And it's not going to cause any degradation in the file quality, mm. um, which is really cool because you can't do that with a raster or bitmapped image because each of those little pixels you see on the screen are all that's there. You can shrink them, but you can't make them larger because the computer is going to have to make up stuff that goes in between those pixels. Right. Oh, yeah, this is kind of a blue-green. I can throw another blue-green in here. Right. Otherwise, it just spreads out and you'd have a lot of little dots. That's why if you blow up a picture that was shot at a specific size and you try to blow it up to make a poster out of it, you're going to see a lot of artifacts and errors in that image. It's going to look kind of blocky. It's going to look – the color's not going to look right. Um, Yeah. There are a lot of problems if you try to go beyond what the resolution allows. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, – so TIFF and EPS are primarily used for print. Now, the others are stuff that you probably see far more frequently, things like the GIF and JPEG and occasionally the ping. Yeah. And uh, so ping, that would be another lossless storage format. Uh, yeah. So uh, – Mostly. Mostly. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's funny because – uh, when you were talking about compression earlier, mm-hmm. that's essentially what we're doing with uh, JPEGs and pings. I mean, to get them down on the web, uh, you know, file sizes on the web were a real problem when everybody was using dial-up modems, right? Because you know, if you had these gigantic files on on your website, all these images, I mean, you're downloading every image that's on a website, right? So if every file is, you know, half a meg in size, then suddenly every web page you look at is 50 megs and it's going to take 10 minutes to look at and people aren't going to visit your website very often. Right. Yeah. A delay of over a few seconds is pretty frustrating for the average web user. Yeah. Especially, I mean, even now in broadband, we've become accustomed to that speed. And when it starts to take longer, yeah, well, we, we decide that's not a place worth visiting and we go somewhere else. Yep. yep. Um, so. Now, PNG uses zip compression, yeah. which uh, I've used quite a bit in other forms of, uh, of file compression. But, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be it's, – it's lossless and, and right. um, as long as you have the right, uh, the right software to decode that, to unzip, mm-hmm. then you're fine. You can view it and there's no problem. Um, and, of course, that's one of those that's widely available. So uh, that makes the PNG format pretty attractive. It's still fairly rare. 
Um, it's not necessarily something you're going to run into a lot compared to JPEG and GIFs. Yes. As a matter of fact, um, the ping was sort of supposed to be a competitor to the GIF. Um, see, the, the GIF uses LZW compression, actually mm-hmm. named for the people who invented it, Lempel, Ziv, and Welch, their last names. Um, see, the thing is, the GIF is owned by Unisys. Uh, and you can license it. As a matter of fact, if you have a website and you have GIFs on it, you're supposed to obtain a license from Unisys in order to do this. This is not necessarily a paid transaction. Right. But the thing is, people said, you know what? I don't want, I want to use something that is free for me to use, which is why people were using, um, were switching to JPEGs so often. But JPEGs do better with certain kinds of images because of the compression that they use and GIFs use, you know, basically people use JPEGs for photos. Right. And GIFs for drawings. Yeah. And the reason for that is that JPEGs are, are better at handling uh, images that have sort of a continuous color range in mm-hmm. them. Um, they can handle images that have lots and lots of different colors. So if you were to take an image of, say, the sky, let's say you take a photo of the sky, there's mm-hmm. going to be lots of different – and it's a sunny day, all right? There are going to be a lot of different uh, of uh, versions of the color blue. Uh-huh. It's not just going to all be one blue – color, you know, the same color of blue. Right. It's going to be a gradient. Exactly. Especially like late in the day, you know, as the sun is setting or early in the day when the sun is rising. Right. Where you'll, you might get it, you know, darker toward the horizon or whatever. Sure. Uh, You're going to get a lot of different versions of the color blue. And with something like a JPEG, that can handle that gradation. Mm -hmm. Um, It can handle that continuous change of colors. Uh, And it, the, the compression format that JPEGs use is a lossy format. So you do lose information as you compress. But the nice thing about JPEG is you can control how compressed the file is. Yes, yes, that's true. So if you use a low level of compression, you know, the file size is going to be larger, but on the other hand, you're going to retain more information. If you compress the heck out of it, you're going to lose a lot of information, but the file size will be nice and tiny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because... Um these file formats have been in use for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. And there have been many efforts to try to upgrade them. I mean, Ping is just one of them. Uh, JPEG 2000 is another. It's a refinement of the JPEG. Uh, well, theoretically, it's a refinement. It's actually a, a completely different way of compressing the file. And, um, you know, the idea is to get it as, you know, keep as much information as possible. Right. Um you know, without creating artifacts, with creating a, you know, giving a better color range. Um, the thing is that right at the moment, there's really nothing that's replacing the JPEG and the GIF on the website. Right. You know, despite and, these advances. And we should also mention that, you know, we were talking about the JPEG's really good for, for images that have continuous color gradations. Mm-hmm. GIF's really good for images that don't have that. Um, have have maybe some uh, some clearly defined images. Now, a GIF is capable of showing up to 256 colors in a single image. Right. Uh, if the image has more than 256 colors, it's going to fudge a bit. Mm-hmm. It's gonna you're gonna end up with the compression. You're gonna end up having colors that are close to what the original color is is supposed to be, but aren't exactly the same. So GIFs tend to be really good for things like graphics. Not mm-hmm. necessarily uh, pictures. Yeah. Um, pictures isn't like photographs. So JPEGs are better for photos. GIFs are better for, for you know, graphic images. You think about the fact that you should be able to see, or at least your computer probably tells you, you can see millions of colors and a GIF is only showing you 256 of those colors. Probably gives you a good idea of why 
uh, people are trying, you know, have tried to improve upon the, the GIF as an, uh, file sure. format. Now, um, you know, one time people were really concerned about the 216 web safe colors. Uh, I don't really see people talking about that nearly as often as they used to. Um, but basically these were the 216, uh, colors that could be rendered on both Windows and Macintosh platforms mm-hmm. because, um, the gamma in those, in, in the two systems is a little bit different. Um, but, uh, you know, you really don't see that nearly as often. And you also don't see the other big, uh, GIF proponent, uh, which was the animated GIF. It used to allow you to, well, it still does allow you to create a, a GIF that has multiple panels. Now, of course, people use Flash and they don't really use, you know, animated GIFs anymore, but. Now, he also asked about bitmap files. Right. Now, bitmap's a proprietary image file format from Microsoft. Well, Okay, bitmapped images are or raster images used in a generic sense. I mean, JPEG is a bitmapped image. Sure, but but bitmap as a file like format, a BMP, a dot .bmp file, file right. is a Windows file. That's, I just that's wanted specific, to clear that up. Exactly. Yes, I'm glad you did clear that up, so that that maybe heads off a little listener mail. Yeah, because uh, we'll we'll get listener mail. Though. Yeah. So a BMP is specifically is the uncompressed proprietary file format that Microsoft created. Mm-hmm. Um, not you don't see a, a lot of it. Uh, I used to actually use bitmap images quite a quite a bit in mm-hmm. my old job, and that was because uh, the 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 software we used it was all Microsoft Office software, right? And occasionally I would need to take images from the web or from uh, from certain other kinds of files, whether they be um, uh, charts, graphs, pie charts, this sort of stuff. Sometimes bitmap was the best option to to go with when importing it into something like PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a Microsoft uh, format in the first place, so of course you would expect it to work pretty well within their suite of programs. Sure. And um, often I would find that that would create the best image for those sort of applications. Outside of that, haven't seen a whole lot of use for it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, it's still in use, though. I mean, people. It's it's still. I still see attachments as as .bmp files from time to time, mm-hmm. not very frequently. No, um, you know, so it's it's just less in use. And then uh, he also brought up uh, bit depth too. Yes, yes, which has to do with color, right? Yes, yes, the amount of basically the amount of colors in the image, and that's that's when you were talking about the two hundred fifty six colors. Sure. In the in the GIF file, like a, a a one bit would be something that has to be black, black or, or white, white. because. It's either white or black. That's the one bit. So, you know, like a zero and a one type of thing. Um, yeah, that, that's essentially what that refers to. The different bits kind of talk about the different levels of color. So I guess 16 bit, I think that's grayscale would be the various ver- versions of gray. I suppose you could have a 16 bit color as well. Yeah. You but can. Uh, grayscale, I think is 16 bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's basically the bit depth is, uh, and it's not just an image that can have bit depth. I mean, your, your computer monitor has a bit depth and, um, it's basically the range of color that is, uh, able, that it's able to display. So, I mean, a, an image file can be limited to a certain amount of bit depth in which, you know, and, and that's good for a web image because if you have a, uh, you know, a 16 bit image, and a 32-bit image, you know, if you're trying to keep the file size down, you can limit the bit depth and sort of reduce that. Just compress it a little bit more to try to to keep the file size to a minimum. I decided to look it up just to make sure. Yeah, I'm so again 16, heading off the listener mail. 16 bits. Yeah, it actually uh, – uh, the TIFF files, PNG files, 
And, uh, well, the TIFF and PNG files, they, they can do grayscale as, uh, eight or 16 bits. Mm-hmm. Um, JPEGs, it's eight bits. So I knew I had heard about the 16 bits somewhere and then I had to look it up and see exactly where that was. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, uh, and it is important. It's just not the kind of thing that, uh, most people are thinking about probably when they're, when uh, they're creating, creating files. Now there's the, the raw, uh, format, which some people yes. say isn't technically a format. Um, but it's basically a capture mode on your, on a lot of digital cameras, especially higher end digital cameras and, uh, professional photographers, you know, probably shoot just about everybody uses the raw setting now, and basically it gives you everything that's coming through the lens. The biggest downside on the raw format is that every manufacturer has its own variation of the raw format. Do tell. So yeah, yeah cause it's not a propri, it's not a standardized right. format. Yeah, since it's not standardized, that means that, you know, the, the raw images you take with one digital camera from one manufacturer may not may not be at all the same as the kind that you take on a totally different camera from a totally different manufacturer. But it will give you uh, a lot better quality and it is lossless. Right. Right. So, so yeah. Just so, keep that in mind the, uh, that it is not a technical, you know, ISO certified file format. And you may find some other image files out there as well. There's things like uh, PSD files, mm-hmm. which uh, a, Photoshop a Photoshop document file. Mm-hmm. or uh, PSP which would be Paint Shop Pro. Oh, yes. So there are other proprietary files out there. Of course, those aren't nearly as, um, you know, widespread as the, the JPEG and GIFs. Yep, yep. Um, I work in GIF as much as I can to make up for my 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 Your GIF, GIF? My GIF gaff. <laughs> or was it my GIF jaff? <laughs> I'm so confused now. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, a PSD. Actually, that's, that's interesting uh, that you would mention that because um, – Designers are probably going to be more familiar with the PSD file. Um, one of the cool things about working with Photoshop is that you can create files with multiple layers. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can save it as a variety of different files. Now, um, a Photoshop document, when you're actually working with it, you can have tons and tons of different layers um, that you can use to apply. For example, I'm using uh, uh, right now for one of the classes I'm taking for my graduate degree um, – I am basically marking up websites to talk about the different parts and I am creating different layers that draw attention to different ones so that I can say, okay, in this example, we're talking about sections A and G. In this example, we're talking about B, C, D, and F. Well, in this case, I have multiple layers and I can turn on the ones that I want to display, save the file, then turn those off and turn the other ones on for the next one. Well, the problem is that when you leave the layers on, uh, you can't save it as really anything other than the Photoshop document. If you want to make a uh, JPEG or a uh, ping or whatever out of it, you're going to have to flatten the image in order to do that because it doesn't, those file formats don't necessarily support multiple layers. Uh, But it is very cool in in that it allows you to do that. And another one created by Adobe would be the uh, uh, PDF, the portable document format, which so many people use now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is really an image in, in a lot of cases, uh, you know, it can be a scan of an article. Um, it could be a form that allows you to fill it out, but it is, you know, it sort of, uh, pinch hits as a file format, an image file format in some cases. That's and true. one of the cool things about it is, um, especially for businesses, it's really why one of the reasons why they support it so much is that, um, you can't modify it. Right. So if you send out a thing and say, uh, please review this, they can put notes on it. They can, you know, 
say these different things, but they can't go change it and then send it out to people, which can be really infuriating when you're the creative person actually making the document out. Right, right. Well, Why didn't you send that out? The nice thing is not only not only do you not have to worry about them modifying it, but the uh, the software to view it is readily available. Yes, it's, yes. A- anyone can you, download a, a free viewer yep. to view PDF files. And it's uh, built into browsers now as a plug-in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even supported widely on the operating systems now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least far more than it was at its, uh, at its initial release. Right. I remember when you had to actually hunt down the little mm-hmm. the plug-in and, and download it and and install it. It's not not the case anymore. Yeah, I, I doubt that Adobe technically considers it a you know an image file format, but it sort of kind provides of that function. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I, I don't really else? have any other image file formats. Well, Andrew, I about. hope that answers your question to your satisfaction. Uh, I guess that leads us to our second instance of listener mail. And this listener mail comes from Robert from San Antonio, Texas, where folks know what listener mail is supposed to sound like. <laughs> he says, while working over the weekend, I was able to catch up on several of your episodes. I've never written into a podcast before, but thought I could share some personal experience on an item which crosses over between your video game and stuff you can hook up to your TV podcasts that may interest your fans. I'm referring to the original Xbox. It can be mod- It can be modded which allows you to install specialized media playing software and to upgrade the hard drive. I currently have two of them and have a 500 gigabyte hard drive in each. This allows me to store tons of media locally. But more importantly, it has a built-in NIC allowing network access. Using Xbox Media Center, I can stream media content from my media server, and with the addition of a new piece of software called PlayOn, I have access to all sorts of online media content, such as streams from Hulu, PBS, ESPN, Crackle, Adult Swim, and many, many more. It plays a variety of video formats, including AVI, DivX, XVID, and many more as a bonus. It upconverts to 1080i, so the image on an HDTV is pretty good. So for a fraction of the cost of an HTPC or Apple TV, you get a networked media player that can stream media from within your network or even from online content providers. Really cool. These consoles are a decade old, yet can still be considered a contender for king of media centers. Thanks and keep up the good work, Robert. Yeah, Robert, that's a great point. Yes, you mm-hmm. can modify your Xbox and create a media center out of it. Uh, just for you guys out there who are curious, I mean, not that this really matters anymore because the Xbox is pretty much out of, out of production anyway. It violates the warranty. Oh, yes. Uh, Microsoft's not really thrilled with people who open up the Xbox and modify it. They can't really do anything to stop you. It's not against the law. Um, if you were to modify your Xbox in such a way that it changes the way it behaves in online play, Microsoft could step in and, and possibly deactivate your Xbox Live account. But apart from that, there's really no, you know, no punishment for doing this unless, of course, you screw up and ruin your Xbox. Uh, I would, I would add to that that, uh, I would appreciate it if you do this, do me a personal favor and don't electrocute yourself. Right. Uh, which you could do. Yeah, don't. You start mucking around with the innards of things yeah. that have step plugs. one. Don't have it plugged in. Yes. Step two. Be very careful when you, whenever you try and modify any form of electronics, uh, because even if something's unplugged, doesn't that doesn't necessarily no. mean it can't hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Um. I would recommend finding a guide, either online or a book, and following the, those instructions very carefully. Um. You probably want to have a little experience with things like soldering, because often you have to solder certain new circuits in in order to get 
it to behave the way you want it to. But uh, it is completely a do-it-yourself sort of project that anyone can tackle with the right patience and uh, and skill. Yeah, it's uh, challenging. You know, it involves a squirrel and a tractor. But uh, I don't, you can – what – I. Did I get the wrong instructions? You need to invite me over to your house sometime. Oh, man. I got to see how you set up your entertainment system. <laughs> so, Robert, thanks so much. If any of you have any tips or questions, comments, anything like that, you can write us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can visit our blogs at howstuffworks.com. And remember, on Tuesdays, 1 p.m., you can watch Tech Stuff Live as Crispy and I bring you the latest tech news. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. That's right, 1 p.m. Eastern. Thank you, Crispy. That was very helpful. Um, <laughs> Yeah, please watch us because Lord knows we're not under enough pressure as it is. Yep. Uh, and if you want to learn more about image files and all things computer related, why don't you pop on over to HowStuffWorks.com and we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, With SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico, Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.